homies welcome back to the out the box podcast i'm your host john wallace alongside my co-host james luffy and we have an absolutely awesome show for you guys we are currently recording this in the berg insurance studios while watching lsu stomp louisiana tech six to nothing in the bottom of the fourth inning Uh, we also have a recap of lsu's series win against eastern kentucky after the scary friday night loss And we look forward to this weekend when LSU travels to Texas to take on Texas Friday night, Baylor Saturday, and Oklahoma on Sunday. We also hope to answer some of the -the out-the-box mailbox questions that our fans have sent in to us. So let's get rolling. So, Luffy, as we all know, this past weekend was Mardi Gras weekend, and you you got your plug-in right before the show ended last week. Uh, how was riding in the Tooth Parade? It was great. Rode with some great guys, and we, we had a blast. Uh, you know, it was a quick quick turnaround back to work on Monday. To the studio, right? Yeah, back to the studio. Back to the studio. I had to grind the tape from this past weekend since we weren't able to watch the games on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, it's it's funny. I was trying to video you while you were on the float, maybe try to get a, a shout-out for the Out the Box podcast from, from one of the hosts. And... Uh, I couldn't even get that because the the squad y'all had on the float was pelting us with beads so hard that that the the camera just wasn't even gonna work. I actually don't remember seeing you. If we did see you, you did. Also, quick shout out to LSU softballs Mary Beth Gorsuch. I'm sorry if I uh, butchered her name, but she threw a you butchered it. She threw a perfect game over the weekend. She threw 21 first pitch strikes and struck out 16 of the 21 batters, which is incredible. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Congrat, big congrats to her and LSU softball. They're rolling so far early this year. That is absolutely incredible. Congratulations to Miss Mary Beth. Uh, we wish the best to the Lady Tigers as they continue on on their softball season. All right, let's recap these series against Eastern Kentucky. Beginning with Game 1, LSU drops the first game of the series. Two to nothing. Uh, I believe we only had three hits. Yeah, we only had three hits. Uh, just, just never got anything going at the plate. The uh, pitching was the only bright spot. Cole Henry looked okay. Went five innings, gave up one earned, and Jaden Hill came in through really well. He had six strikeouts and uh, two and two thirds. Yeah, I think it was it was very important that LSU turned it on in games two and three. Kind of almost embarrassing Friday night loss. In game two, the final score was six three. The Tigers got the W. Yeah, we got a, we got a, a few hits, and the game kind of looked closer than it actually was. Um, we only got six hits, but the 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 big bright spot in the game was Landon Marceau. He went eight innings, was shut down, only gave up four hits, no earned. Aaron George actually came into the ninth, struggled a little bit, so they put Fondo in to close it off. But overall, Marceau was a stud. And then we get to game three where I think LSU looked like what everyone was expecting them to look like. Uh, the final score was 10-2. to two. Um, Yeah, Cade Beloso really had us going for us uh, this game. He, he had three hits. Uh, Cab added two hits. And um, really, again, the pitching. A.J. Labus, seven innings, only gave up Bob. two earned. Labus, <laughs> six strikeouts. 
And uh, we got to see the two lefties, Brandon Kamir and Jacob Hasty, uh, come in in the eighth and ninth to close the game out. Yeah, and I think we had we had a couple big plays on defense. Drew Bianco in left field made a phenomenal catch up against the left field wall and then gunned out the runner that was on second base that didn't tag up uh, for the double play. So, uh, uh, like I said, LSU looked more of what we were expecting in this game. So now we're going to get to the biggest takeaway from the weekend. We actually had a question about this in the mailbox from Zach Brown. You know what I'm a chicken fried? Cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of jeans. Of yes, his name actually is Zach Brown. And the radio. The biggest takeaway for me was that you can't actually take too much away from from it. If you uh, if you looked at it from a pitching standpoint, you might think we're the best pitching team in the country, which we could be. But if you looked at it from a hitting standpoint, you could say we're, we're on the bottom bottom end of the SEC. Yeah, and I'd say the big thing for me was that Maneri got a chance to see some of the playmaking ability of his team in the field as well as at the plate. Uh, we, we saw Drew Bianco make that great catch in left field, and we also saw Alex Malazzo's play uh, gunning the runner out at second base. So I think Maneri's got a lot to work with with adjusting this lineup. So after this series wrapped up, LSU was sitting at a record of 5-3, and three, and I think some LSU fans were starting to panic. Is this about where we should be right now, or should we be panicking? No real reason to panic, in my opinion. I, I think we'll just keep getting better, and then the bats will come around eventually. So now we're going to get to the game that we watched tonight against Louisiana Tech. LSU won by a score of 7-1. to one. Yeah, the bats got off to a hot start in this game. Snack Mathis led the team with three hits. Beloso added two. Cabrera added two. And Mo Hampton two doubles as well, so that was that was good to see Mo playing well, and and like Coach Maneri talked about that that's going to be the lineup going into this weekend too. A lot of speed in the outfield and and some young guys that are going to be hitting for us. The pitching, Brendan Keimer, he got off to a good start. He threw two innings, didn't give up a run. The dirty thirty came in after came here and and he threw pretty well. And then after that, it was it was a Johnny Holstaff. To finish it off, the only one who struggled really uh, was Eric Walker. Yeah, and I think this midweek game that matters, it was it was important for the Tigers as they head into this weekend to H-Town. You know, it's good to get everyone a little bit of work. You know, like you said, Lovey, we threw eight pitchers total, and we looked, we looked good. We looked like how we should look in the midweek games. Oh, uh, yeah, and we actually had a question about this in the mailbag. Mr. Brett Dupree asked, what does Palmineri need to do to get the team to stop dropping midweek games like this? And I think he did just that this week. I think he he did kind of a whole staff approach, allowed everyone to get a little bit of work. Uh, he set the lineup that he was going to use for this weekend. So he he allowed them to, to get ready for the weekend as well as work on some of the things that they had been struggling with during the previous series. So uh, I, I think he did everything right tonight. All right, looking forward to this weekend. LSU heads to Houston to play at Minute Maid Park. Friday, they're going to take on the Texas Longhorns. Saturday, they're going to play the Baylor Bears, where Kramer Robertson's mom coaches. And and then on Sunday, we're going to wrap up the series against Oklahoma. It'll be a good experience for our guys to play in the, the Houston Asterix ballpark. I think that it's it's going to be a good experience against quality opponents. And it's going to be nice going forward, like, like Paul Maneri said, that we're going to keep that lineup from, from the La Tech game. And I like that lineup a lot. And I think it'll be good to see these guys get comfortable for the weekend. So do you think Maneri keeping that lineup and, and saying it early that he's going to stick with it into the weekend, 
Do you think that's him starting to solidify the lineup? I think it's giving hit the young guys confidence or, or guys that know that they could be switched in and out of the lineup at any time. Just comfort for the weekend. The only thing I know about Texas is that they're not knowing uh in baseball, that's that's not easy to do, even though they haven't played particularly great competi- competition. But they played Rice in the first series, and they played Boise State, swept them both, and uh, won a couple mid- midweek games. So as far as Baylor goes, we're playing them on Saturday, and they're five and three right now. They they beat Nebraska in a series, lost to Oral Roberts University. Um, so I, I don't think they're anything special, and ho- hopefully we'll be able to beat them. And Sunday, I think, is the the best matchup with Oklahoma. They're ranked as high as 15 in some polls. They beat, beat Virginia uh, in the opening weekend, so that, that'll be a fun game with Labus pitching on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. Just to go back to the Baylor game for a second, do you think Kim Mulkey's going to be in attendance on Saturday? I think it's very important that she's at the game and that the commentators mention her multiple times. Yeah, I mean, everyone needs to know that Kim Mulkey is Kramer Robertson's mom. And she's the head coach of Baylor Women's Basketball. Alrighty, folks, we're at the point in the show where we are going to get to the out-the-box inbox. Questions that some of our fans have sent sent to us via Twitter or text message or, or whatnot. So, Luffy, open the mailbox. What you got? Questions from Emma Pittman. Does John ever consider growing his beard at back? Whoa. Wow. First of all, Emma, thank you so much for the question. You're you're one of the first of our lady listeners to to send in a question and we we really do need that. The answer is yes, of course. I, I think you and and a lot of others would agree that that beard became a part of me during that year that I grew it out. For those that don't know, I participated in an, an event that I kind of created myself. It was No Shave 19 for, for 2019. I actually went from January 1st, shaving on New Year's Day, to shaving on January 1st, New Year's Day the next year. It, it was quite the experience, I think. Yes, I do consider growing it out, out again because it was such a hit. On the other hand, I would only do it if it was No Shave 19 again, and that'll happen in about another 100 years. I thought you were growing the beard out for the for the national championship run, so I'm glad you didn't tell me you shaved it before the game. Well, you know, I just knew LSU was going to win the national championship. We had such a phenomenal team this year, and I, I was that confident I didn't need the beard after that. I'd already gone a whole year, and, and by that time, it was just time. All right, let's get to the next question. This is from Davis Berg, a good friend of the show, a good friend of me and Luffy. Here we go, Box Boys. What do we think about Mo Hampton splitting time with football and baseball? Should he commit to one? Keep up the content, loving the pod. Well, thank you, Davis. We really appreciate that, my brother. What'd you think, Lovey? With Mo, he's a smart enough kid that he'll easily be able to do both. Um, we're watching the La Tech game right now, and he and he's played great tonight. And I think he'll he'll be in the lineup throughout the year, and um, is smart enough to switch back to football in, in the fall. Yeah, and I mean, I agree. I mean, the the dude was literally playing in. The national championship game what was that January thirteenth, about a month before baseball season started, and he's he's getting reps in weekend series games, getting starts. Yeah, I don't think it'll be it'll be a problem. This next question here is from Colin Harry. He wants to know is K Doty an F word? A what? A fraud? Oh no, K Doty is not a fraud. Um, like we said last week, we, we, we talked about him hitting, hitting a two run bomb and his first ever at bat as a tiger. Now, if he never hits another home run again, then that'll be an anomaly. But I think he's a young guy. He's got to prove himself. 
He's been been what about one one thirty five, one thirty six. I think he's he's just getting adjusted to the college game, and I, I think that takes some time. Kate will be fine. There's a lot of pressure being in the lineup this early. Maneri likes to play around with it a lot, so a lot of these guys feel like when they're up there, every at bat is their their last at bat. Alrighty, another good friend of the show, Mr. Chris Mills. He asked a question. He said, I got a question for the boys at Out the Box. Obviously, Alex Box is one of the most electric parks in college baseball with one of the best fan bases. I wanted y'all's take on what other programs nationwide compare in terms of ballparks and diehards. Thanks. For me, the best experience I've had at another college park was at Mississippi State Duty Noble. We went up there with a couple buddies uh, before they redid the outfield. A little different now, but we had a blast. You could hang out. They had these rigs you just you stood on, and you, you could, students could roll ice chest in. And I, I know another place similar to that, Ole Miss, great student atmosphere. And Arkansas as well, they had the, the outfield lounge grass area. And I, I think that those are some of the other top in the SEC. So you mentioned Mississippi State. I guess I'm begging the question here. Did they have the cowbells like they do at the football games, or are they just obnoxious during football? They're not as prominent at the at the baseball games, but they're they're definitely out there. So next up on the docket is a question from Mr. Rory Luke. He asked, who is this Malazzo kid, and where does he fit going into the future? What do you think? Malazzo is going to be our starting catcher, I think, pretty much all year. Uh, he's a stud behind the plate. He had that great um, pickoff where, where they had a runner on second. He he was about four or five steps off the bag. Marceau was pitching at the time, threw one in, and and uh, Malazzo popped up and threw back to second and got him. Dude, he absolutely gunned him out at second base. Like I, I can't remember an LSU catcher doing something like that, at least recently. Yeah, he'll be a starter here for at least the next couple of years at LSU, so super excited about him. He's hitting around 300 as well. All right, John, this next question is from Black Belt Salad Master. What is your opinion on corn dogs being scratched from the concession stand menu? Seems like an LSU staple that needs to be brought back. Your thoughts? Oh, well, I mean, I, hey, I got, I got some good thoughts on that. I want to thank the Black Belt for coming back uh, for the second week on the show in a row. Yeah, I mean it's it's honestly a travesty that that corn dogs would be removed from the menu. Yeah, I mean I think the LSU stadium crew needs to kind of just get with what the what the fans want, what they need. They they finally got beer in the stadium, and to take away something that was so so awesome, you, you can't just have something that good and then take it away. So uh, I think with with enough buzz that this podcast generates. I think it'll eventually reach the LSU concession stand crew, and they will get corn dogs back into the concession stand. So, John, AJ DePaul asked, "Oh uh, yeah, any idea if they're throwing a lefty that tops out at 80 with an all-speed sitting at 67? Hearing those are our kryptonite." So, uh, first of all, AJ, thank you for the question. I, you know, I kind of sense a little sarcasm uh, with the with the kryptonite, but. But if we if we really look at it, if an LSU baseball player is used to seeing pitches around in the upper 80s, lower 90s, and and even approaching the the upper 90s, then when they take a step back during the midweek or or 
you know, kind of like we were joking about on on Friday night, how how Eastern Kentucky is supposed to be more of a midweek game, then I, I can kind of see how they would struggle a little bit with these these slower pitches. Well, I mean, yeah, what I you think? I don't think it's an excuse to lose the game by any means, but I think something that the players probably should have adjusted to too faster. So, and then the coaches and Palmineri said it after the game. He said they should have been better prepared for it, which which I agree. I mean, don't you just sit back a little bit on a pitch, maybe scoot up in the box a little bit? Like, it, it doesn't sound like it's that hard to the to the everyday LSU fan. The solution sounds simple, but but it isn't. Former LSU baseball player Chris Reed, a great infielder and a professional hitter for the Tigers, he responded and he said, "Those are my worst nightmare." And that you know, I think that really says a lot from a guy that focused on hitting and really, really worked to count while he was in the batter's box. Okay, we got a question from Mr. Andrew Young, an avid listener of the show. He asked, Mount Rushmore of Maneri era baseball tigers can't use the same player twice. All right, Young, we got how uh, Mount Rushmore's work, but let's get started. John, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I got to go with Chad Jones. Chad Jones, all right. I like it, but that's a little too high for me. I'll take DJ LeMahieu. This is easy for me. Uh, current Yankee right now, balled out last year. All right, with my second Maneri era player on my Mount Rushmore, I'm going to take Zach Hess. He was just an absolute psychopath on the mound. I love the energy he brought to the team. His eyes could literally melt you like a laser. All right, with my second pick, I'm going to go Aaron Nola. Um, this is an easy choice for me. He's a stud right now in the league for the Phillies, and it's actually crazy because he he wasn't on that 9 team. was was obviously great here at LSU. All right, with my third pick, I'm gonna say Scantron Duplantis. He was he was one of those guys that wasn't real wasn't real loud, wasn't real talkative, but he let his play in the field show how good of a player he was and how good of a guy he was, really. I mean, obviously, broke Eddie Furness's record for the highest or for the most amount of RBIs and just an absolute baller. Uh, I'm going to take another picture, actually. Kevin Galsman with my third pick, was a stud at LSU. I remember coming to a game one time against Tennessee, and he threw nine innings, no earn. Always just remember him being, being a stud for us. All right, with my final pick, and I think it's important to realize that these are not in any particular order. They're they're on Mount Rushmore because they're all great. Mikey Matuk, I mean, he was an absolute savage in the outfield, caught anything that came to center field. He was also a fantastic hitter at the plate. Just overall a great, great LSU baseball player in general and, and a great guy too. Yeah, he was on that that 09 team and uh, was a great player. That's actually who I was going to go with my last pick. Well, I got him first. So now I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go Alex Bregman. Uh, maybe a little controversy surrounding this pick. Um, you know, he's been caught up in, in some stuff lately uh, with the Astros and, uh, I mean, the, the asterisks, but um, I think Bregman, he's actually going to bounce back and have a good year. He might get beamed, at, you know, a hundred times, but uh, when he does get the chance to hit the ball, I think he'll he's going to have a good year. Yeah, I think Bregman definitely deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. Do you remember that play he made? I, I think it was the SEC tournament where the a ground ball was hit up the middle between second and short. 
and he got it, did a full 360, and threw a perfect strike to the first baseman to get the guy out. It was absolutely incredible. He was he was literally in shallow center field when he made the throw. Yeah, Bregman was a stud at the plate and in the field for LSU, and is one of those guys you think of. I mean, he was the number number two overall draft pick to the to the Asterix. So, John, Andrew also asked another question. He's wondering if you had any good baseball stories from growing up playing. Oh, I mean, man, there's so many. As a lot of our fans know, I was I was quite the athlete before my career was cut short due to due to spinal injuries. I think one story that stands out in particular, we were in, I think it was like, fifth grade, fifth, sixth grade, and I was I was on the mound throwing heat for I think our, our team name was the Blue Claws. And I, I wound up to throw a pitch and I I chunked it over over the ump's head. It was it was definitely a beamer, but I, I think I just released it a little too early. You know, the whole crowd was was a bunch of parents and whatnot and they, they really had no choice but to just start laughing. You know, it, it was a little embarrassing, but it was it was also it was also one of those funny moments. And and if I do remember correctly, I, I threw a perfect game after that. So that, it was just kinda to get the nerves out. All right, homies, that's our show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at OutTheBox18. Y'all keep it real, and we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for listening.